Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Stephen Houston. Well, we might be heading into Christmas and into holiday mode, but there's still plenty going on in the sporting world. First up, shot putter Jacko Gill is all but certain to miss next year's Commonwealth Games after suffering a heart scare. The 22-year-old Aucklander spent eight days in hospital recently after waking up with a sharp pain in his chest two weeks ago. Doctors have confirmed that he has myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle. Athletics New Zealand High Performance Director Scott Goodman says Gill came down with a virus a few weeks ago and he was advised by doctors to ease off training, which he did. He um, was doing a training session and he felt unwell earlier in the week and been advised to back off training, which he did, started to feel better and did a training session. And as it's turned out, he, he actually still had a virus and the reaction to the virus and the training caused inflammation of the heart and um, he was checked in to hospital with heart pains and stuff like that it's caused inflammation of the heart wall but it's a three to six months process to sort of ease his way back to good health so that puts him out of the the commonwealth games obviously yeah we got world indoors first so the discussion sort of that's not on the table um it's highly like it's unlikely that he would be competing in com games but I think that's still another chat or two while he's coming to terms with all of this. But, yeah, it, it doesn't seem likely that he'd be able to go to Com Games. How is he coming to terms with things? He's actually pretty good. I mean, if you have these scares, um, like I, I caught up with him over the last couple of days and he's um, personality-wise, he's quite bubbly and bouncy, but his frustration will be he's so used to training and training really hard. Uh, what what he does for the next three months with he, he'll be able to do some modified stuff some stretching and uh, but he'll find that frustrating but he's got to look after his health is the main thing long term is he expected to re- recover completely or or is this going to have some kind of impact on, on his career no the the medical advice is pretty consistent that um he he'll should make a full recovery so uh we're Based on what we've been told, we think probably three to three months of basically very little or no heavy training. He'll be able to do some light walking and stretching, and then hopefully after that he'll have another screen, another MRI, and if he gets the all clear, then he can gradually build up and hopefully be competing overseas towards the end of 2018. I suppose it comes at a time in his career too when, when his last 12 months he started to, to kick on, hasn't he? Which is yeah, yeah. He he was really looking forward to World Indoors, Com Games. His genuine medal chance for Com Games, top six chance for World Indoors, and he, you know with Kirsten working with him full time now, um, it was looking a bit like it'd be a, hopefully a breakthrough season for him as a senior athlete. 
and um, puts it on hold a bit. But he's still young. He's 22. He can be doing this well into his 30s. So you got to look at the long-term picture, I suppose. But um, main thing is he's well. He gets back to good health. As you mentioned, he, he is a big trainer. I mean, what what else can he do in his time? Has he got any plans as to, to what he might be able to do? Well, he likes fishing, and uh, he goes out on one of those canoe things and fishes, or he's got a boat. But we're not sure about that either. If he catches a big fish, I suppose he doesn't want to be pulling that in. But he's got his plants. He likes growing plants and has some other computer game things he's involved with. But he'll have to have a routine of some sort of physical activity, but it won't be strenuous activity. That's Athletics New Zealand's High Performance Director, Scott Goodman. The World Cup winning Black Ferns have dominated the New Zealand Rugby Awards, capping an historic year by taking three top awards, including Team of the Year. It's the first time the New Zealand women's side have won the country's top team award and adds to the World Rugby Team of the Year title they secured in Monaco earlier this month. The Black Ferns' Glenn Moore was named Coach of the Year, while the Black Ferns' Luce Ford and Sevens' captain Sarah Goss was named Women's Player of the Year. Sam Whitelock picked up the Men's Player of the Year award. We're joined now by rugby reporter Joe Porter. Joe, Bowden Barrett and Portia Woodman were named International Rugby Players of the Year, but they can't win the uh, New Zealand Award a little, a little lot. It is a little strange. The last four or five years, the uh, New Zealand Rugby Awards, particularly with the Men's Award, have tend to follow the World Rugby's Player of the Year Awards. So the last five years, the World Rugby Player of the Year Award has been won by a New Zealander. And in the last five years, that same New Zealander has then been crowned the New Zealand Rugby Player of the Award, apart from in 2015, I think, when Ma'a Nonu was named New Zealand Player of the Year and the World Rugby Player of the Year was Dan Carter. So uh, maybe 2015, yes, after the World Cup. So there you go. So usually it does happen that way. Didn't this time round. Um, rather strange, I would have thought, Bowden Barrett. But uh, Sam Whitelock, I mean, a real veteran of that engine room in the All Blacks with Brodie Retallick missing a large chunk of the season. He was the you know the top choice lock. I guess he, he captained some of the games. He probably held together that tight five. I mean, the whole front row was missing for chunks of the year as well. So... Largely, I guess the Type 5 seniority fell onto his shoulders this year. He led the Crusaders, of course, to um, to the Super Rugby title. Did he? Yeah, he did. Yes, they did. They did. Yes, that's right. Okay, so lead the Crusaders. Lead the Crusaders. Sort of it seems such a long time ago, doesn't yeah, it? That's... Did they go there? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Right. Yes. So he led them to a Super Rugby title, and of course, um, he, you know, he's. he's had a pretty good year, essentially leading the All Blacks with Kieran Reid out for a lot of it. Jerome Kaino missing for a lot of it. Uh, Sam Kane injured as well at times. So he's been the, the go-to guy in that type five and Ford Packers leadership and, and probably well-deserved for a guy who sticks his head down, does the hard work, the grunt work, and is always a very consistent performer for the All Blacks, but doesn't necessarily get a lot of accolades. Portia Woodman versus Sarah Goss. Yeah, yeah. And then another interesting one there, Portia Woodman, obviously the star of the World Cup, got a record of eight tries or something, six and one game. Um, she won the Fans Try of the Year award last night at the New Zealand Rugby Awards, but didn't come up with a Women's Play of the Year, which is surprising. Goss, I suppose, well, she did play two sports, so she did play for the New Zealand Sevens team and captained them to a World Series victory. They won the, the whole uh, circuit there. And, of course, she played in, as a loose forward for the World Cup winning side. She's a new, fresh face, I guess, in that team, someone that could inspire the young players. Perhaps it was a nod to her dual achievements in both codes there, uh, as well as the fact that maybe she's also 
you know, a bit of an inspiration, perhaps a role model for some of these younger people looking forward. And, and that's what these awards are also a little bit about, was celebrating the, the great achievements of women's rugby this year, which have outshone the All Blacks and have outshone the men's game, and the fact that they deserve the recognition um, on, on, at, the, at this stage and at this level. You know, Coach of the Year has, has never been won by a Black Ferns coach before. Usually goes to Hanson or one of the All Blacks coaches or a Super Rugby winning coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another head, head nod or cap a hat tip to, to the women's game there and what they're uh, able to achieve. And I guess the players themselves see it as, as a nod towards them perhaps gaining a little bit more equality and parity or getting closer to that towards the men's professionals. And So, yeah, a great night for New Zealand women's rugby. They deserve the awards they got. A little strange that the two player of the awards veered away from world rugby's, but I, you could see how they could justify it in that sense. And, yeah, it sounds like it was a great night had by, by all of The fact, no, the All Blacks, they weren't even nominated Team of the Year, were they? So, I mean, that's got to be... Yeah, 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 it's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, a, a part of that has to be, I guess, the All Blacks' success and, and historical success. And if they don't win a World Cup or go a year undefeated, <laughs> then perhaps that's not considered a great season for them. They did lose a few times, and they were fairly patchy. A building depth year, a year of challenges and uh, injuries and whatnot that they overcame, but, but certainly, I guess... Their achievements maybe not considered quite as great as the the Black Ferns. They've you know they won a World Cup, dominated all before them, regained that world number one ranking. So you have to say, go the Black Ferns. Thanks, Joe. Joe Porter, our rugby reporter. And sticking with rugby, New Zealand Raylene Castle has broken through into the top tier of rugby administration with her appointment as the new Chief Executive of Rugby Australia. Castle becomes the first female boss of any of the national governing bodies of the four major football codes in Australia. The former Canterbury Bulldogs Chief Executive and Head of Netball New Zealand says her two former roles have prepared her well for her new job. As she told Matt Chatterton, building the base of female participation in rugby will be a strong focus for her over the next three years. I'd really enjoyed my time as CEO of Netball New Zealand in that uh, you know, leading a sport and being part of the national body set up and uh, came to the Australia, really understood, uh, really enjoyed my time rather at the Bulldogs and uh, that enabled me to learn a lot about the Australian uh, sporting landscape. So I suppose for me, Rugby Australia was the combination of those two things, um, understanding the Australian landscape, working for a you know one of the big male football codes um, and the chance to lead a, a national organisation. So that was really the attraction. Um, and, you know, the Wallabies have, a, have an amazing brand that's um, you know, incredibly established and part of the World Rugby Network. So it was um, yeah, it's an, an attractive pa- package. In terms of um, sort of women in rugby, um, that's still sort of equality around that is still a big issue, I guess, in the sport, and I'm sure it's the same in, in Australia. Do you have any plans to sort of try and combat that in your time as uh, CEO? Well, I think women's rugby is an important part of the landscape and it's, it should be treated as, um, you know, a genuine option for female athletes to choose rugby as a way to earn a living and, and play either sevens or fifteens, uh, but, uh, you know, travel the world and, and be part of that um, international landscape. So I think there's very real opportunities for that. Um, it's about making sure we've got enough talented athletes um, coming through the pathway so that we can have you know talented teams at that level uh, and, and that the women feel that they are getting supported not just on the field but also from a coaching welfare perspective. So all of those things are really important. It is certainly a drive that's happening across the whole of the sporting landscape here in Australia at the moment and, and Rugby Australia um, have really done a lot with this women's sevens team over a long period of time, won the gold medal and it really is an opportunity both um, you know, from a profile point of view but also from a commercial perspective. 
Um, also, I see today that Rugby Australia have announced that they are planning on uh, putting a bid in for the 2021 uh, rugby Women's Rugby World Cup as well. So I guess that also, I guess, front-footing it in that respect, that you'll be trying to uh, attract more interest in it from, from, uh, from around Australia for women's rugby? That's right, and we've seen it from a world perspective that, you know, women's events, um, you know, we've seen the... the um, uh, women's soccer team here um, do really well and attract really strong crowds. We've seen the um, um, you know, Big Bash, Women's Big Bash League really attract good crowds and Women's Asher Series. So it, you know, there's a real hankering and a demand and a, a niche, or not so niche market anymore now, um, for women's sports and, and for us with the Sevens and then the, the World Cup um, that would really give us the opportunity to garner that support and, uh, and also you know, provide the platform to promote the sport. Um, now, I know you haven't even started the job yet, but I remember um, someone was pointing out to me that they're possible. Did you ever once say that you had ambitions to, to lead New Zealand rugby? Is that correct? <laughs> I think everyone else has, has said that for me. I mean, certainly, you know, the, um, the All Blacks uh, in New Zealand sense is, is what to be CEO would be the aspirational job. But, you know, for me to uh, to have the opportunity to lead Rugby Australia and the Wallabies is, is a very special opportunity, and I'm really excited about that. Would you ever be interested in doing that job over here? I think, um, you know, in, in reality now, um, you know, my allegiances for the next few years will be with the Wallabies. So who knows what will happen after, uh, you know, it's, it's time to move on from here. That's the new head of Rugby Australia, Raylene Castle. Ross Taylor joined an exclusive club this week, scoring his 17th Test century as the Black Caps beat the West Indies by a 240-run margin to take a 2-0 series clean sweep in their Test series. Taylor now stands alongside his captain, Kane Williamson, and mentor, the late Martin Crow, as New Zealand's most prolific Test century makers. Shortly after reaching his milestone, Taylor spoke to Checkpoint's John Campbell about the demands of Test cricket, Martin Crow, and white butterflies. Yeah, something um, that doesn't come naturally uh, something that I've had to work on over a long period of time, and uh, and have to still do that now. Um, but you know, and it's probably strange, but you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of test cricket is just about batting. Uh, one day, one one day cricket twenty twenty, as I talk about the white ball, um, there's a situation, and you got you bat accordingly, and the game situation almost tells you how to to bat but test cricket sometimes it's just batting and, and some people struggle with that uh, but it's something that I've had to work on over a long period of time and uh, it's nice to get some success. Some success your first equal and you're in fine company the three of you and your relationship with Martin Crow. I, I mean it's very moving that Martin Crow gave such a damn about you and gave you such great advice but we need to stress he wasn't that sentimental always was he Martin? He could, he could tell it straight couldn't he? Yeah, and I and I, I was on the end of a few of those um, <laughs> those, those uh, conversations, but that's that's what I, I liked about him, and, and um, it, you know he 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 told me what he thought and, and was honest, and that's what I needed, um, and that's what I wanted. Uh, he didn't sugarcoat anything, but at the same time, I knew when he had to put his arm around and and give me uh, you know a bit of, a bit of love. I mean, it's professional sports tough, and, and cricket's no different, um, but. You know, the advice, um, both on and off the field, um, was amazing. But it, you know, we, we developed a, a, a great friendship and over over the years, and, and our love for red wine probably um, <laughs> was just as, um, 
you know, just as much a part of our, our talk as, as cricket was. 17th century, 6,000 test runs, a test average of 47, which is just... It doesn't matter who you are, you would be delighted with an average of 47 in test matches. Can, can you tell me the story about the butterfly? I, I, I've, uh, it's a pretty wonderful story. Yeah, I mean, as I said, we had a very good relationship with Hogan, and, and as he, uh, as the cancer um, had hit, he, you know, we, I probably didn't hear from him um, as, as often, but uh, whenever we played in Auckland, we'd always, um, you know, catch up, and we went to a cafe and cafe and Coe just around the corner from his home, and mm-hmm. we ordered the same meal, and um, and he said, you know, just that as we and through discussion, but, um, you know, he's pretty spiritual, especially towards the end there. Um, and he said, you know, when you see a butterfly, think of me. And I, th- I, I don't know how many runs I was on, but um, I was on about 60 or 70, and uh, and this white butterfly just flew in front of me and flew down the wicket and flew off. And um, Yeah, I'm not, I, I sort of looked at it and had a bit of a smile to myself <laughs> and thought, you know, he's, he's around here and um, sort of put me at ease. I, I, was, um, I was pretty relaxed after that. And you're up there, 17th centuries. Do you have a target now, or do you just want to keep playing the game you love and play so well for as long as you possibly can? Well, when I first uh, met Martin uh, in 2006 in a mentor capacity, uh, he, he's the one who said to me that he wanted me to get to 17. Uh, that was a goal that he set for me. But as it came closer and I realised that I, I could achieve it, um, you know, he said, get to 17, but don't stop there. Hmm. Um, have I got a number in mind? Uh, not really. I think at the end of the day, I, I need to keep fit and, and stay on the park. And um, obviously, the, the more more time you spend out in the middle, the better your chances are. And hopefully, um, you know, over time, that uh, you know, maybe I can get to 100 test matches. Um, and whatever I end up on, uh, hopefully, I'm satisfied with that. One final question for those of us who will never, ever know the feeling. What's it like, and you've had this experience 17 times, to score a ton? Sometimes, out of the 1700s, you don't know that you're you're on. Yesterday I knew I was on 96, so that's a, it's a nice feeling to get to 100 and not know you're there. But that, that doesn't happen <laughs> a lot. But, um, it, um, so I, I think it's um, obviously proud um, to, to get to the milestone, but a lot of it, it sometimes it's relief. Um, to, to get to a milestone and, and get back into the situation again. Um, yesterday we were in a bit of a tight situation, so um, the context of the match um, made me just batting the priority. But um, no, it was nice. I'm sure over the next little while it'll, it'll sink in a bit more and um, can tick off a goal that um, that was set. So, uh, but as as Manu said, uh, don't stop there. Ross Taylor talking to John Campbell. New Zealand coming up, New Zealand coming up, and New Zealand have won the gold medal in the eights. On the far side, United States is second, and East Germany is third. The New Zealand rowing eight wins the gold at Munich. New Zealand's double gold medalist rowing cock Simon Dickey died suddenly in Topol this week at the age of 66. As a 17-year-old, Dickey cocks the four, which won gold at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico. Four years later, he was part of the famous New Zealand eight, which won gold at the 72 Munich Olympics. At that medal ceremony in Germany, God Defend New Zealand was played for the first time at the Olympics, replacing God Save the Queen as the national anthem. 
After rowing, Dickey became a prominent businessman in Taupo. Athol Earl, a teammate in the gold medal eight, says he and his fellow rowers were gobsmacked at the news of Dickey's death. Earl spoke to Emil Donovan about the man he described as the best coxswain in the world. He was a, an extrovert. He was out there, uh, very intelligent. He um, was sharp and perceptive and, and confident in his ability as a coxswain because he was probably the best in the world. Well, no, probably about it was. That's funny, the way that you describe him, he's a, he's a born coxswain really, isn't he? Yeah, he was really, yeah, they have to have that trait to carry themselves amongst the bigger men. Rowing does really seem to be one of those sports where the, the bond between the crewmates is, is really strong. Was that the case with you guys, and do you think that contributed to, to your success? Oh, absolutely, you had to have complete faith, because Simon was your ears and eyes out of the boat as a rower, you can't look out, and, and he's always telling you what's happening, We uh, he alters the uh, race strategy slightly if he needs to be. For instance, at Munich, he told us that we'd drop below 39, which was quite a high a racing beat when we hadn't, but he had just told us that to keep us on that number. Um, he, he just had that ability to, to read situations. Bit of psychological warfare there as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, he was up for that any time. Um, yes, he, he sure was. He, he was just a, a... I've never come across a coxswain like it, actually. I've had several and, and some several very good coxswains but Simon had the ability to draw draw it out of you as a, as a crew member just each because everyone was so different what he needed uh, John Hunter for instance probably didn't need much but the occasional patting whereas some of us needed a bit more demanding and he had that ability to do that from his seat down the stern of the boat. Did you guys get to know each other pretty well outside the boat as well? Yeah we were pretty tight um, we had, you know, we're pretty big on reunions, etc., etc. Um, you know, Simon had their 1968 Cox Four at Mexico, which won, and those guys just had a reunion actually yesterday. Dudley Story died uh, about six months ago, out or nine months ago out of that, but uh, so they still, you know, we all still get together occasionally, have a good discussion. We're planning our reunion for the Helberg Awards um, over the last few days. There's been a lot of emails going around, getting together and doing things before we get too old. What's your fondest memory of Simon? I imagine it's probably uh, probably looking looking him in the eyes as someone's putting a gold medal around your neck. <laughs> yeah, you probably can't comment much on that, but Simon was was almost a larrikin, but he was such a gentleman with it, um, and his ability, just his ability to control and read a crew, uh, just was without fear. He was exceptional in that respect. Like he was a gold medalist at seventeen, which is reasonably unheard of, straight out of Wanganui Collegiate into that. Cox four of four strong, headstrong characters and, and moulded them together and then come in as the, as the old hand in 72 uh, again with a group of mixed age, mixed experience athletes and pulled them together. That's Athol Earl recounting his memories of the late Simon Dickey. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz and follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.